walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I am your host, the hardest part of the ring. Known in some circles as Kyle. And we have a dandy for you. Progress Wrestling Chapter 17. From uh, January 25th, 2015. And this is a very interesting one for a, uh, a variety of reasons. As all, I mean, with any all the timelines I cover, it's always funny to see kind of earlier iterations of wrestlers the early stages of their careers the building blocks before maybe before they got big that's always to me one of the most interesting things about uh watching old wrestling talking about it with other people um but this one in particular is very interesting because uh as of this episode dropping uh we're only a few weeks removed from wrestle kingdom 16 which was a, a great show Great show from New Japan. Uh, I don't keep up with New Japan very uh, frequently. Maybe I'll start. But then again, I always say that I will and then I don't. But whatever the case may be, Wrestle Kingdom, always a great event. Uh, but this past year, 2022, was made evented by Kazuchika Okada and a man that is very prevalent on this chapter that we're covering, Will Ospreay. And uh, even if you don't watch New Japan or independent wrestling or whatever, you know who Will Ospreay is. I mean, he's one of the biggest uh, stars today, maybe the biggest that's not signed to a major company. Um, unless you count New Japan as a major company, which fuck, some people don't even think it exists. But uh, <laughs> but um, point being, Will Ospreay is such a uh, such a force nowadays. He's such a presence He's a, he's, a, he's a big lad. He's put on some weight, but he still moves. He still has the fluidity of the movement that he had as a child. Uh, I consider 2015 Will Ospreay a child. So we just saw Will Ospreay main eventing Wrestle Kingdom as this brooding dickhead of a heel. This this guy, he's walking out with 12 different championships. He has the whole, the old Ultimo Dragon thing going. Like he's he has the glittery jacket, the complex tights. He's he's such a he's he's spectacle of he, there's a lot going into his presentation. But let's take a step back about seven years before, almost to the day, at Progress Chapter 17. And we so so we see Will Ospreay 
as this twinkish boy going out there with a a second grade pitcher day haircut. He's he's scrawny. I mean, he's whatever. He's not scrawny. He's not like famished, but he's compared to today. He's he's just deflated. I mean, this dude looks like a child here, but he's still so fucking good, even seven years ago. And that's why he's in the main event on this chapter fighting for the Progress Championship against Jimmy Havoc. Yes, the reign of terror continues for Jimmy Havoc. The whole deal with with Havoc and Osprey, and we talk a lot about that in the episode and why it was so good. But this is among the best that I've seen so far. And according to my guests uh, who are more familiar with the later chapters, this is probably one of the better storylines they ever did in progress. So really good stuff coming in this chapter and watching the show. It was the main event was amazing. I'll just simply put it like that. I mean, there was a lot going into it. It's not just wrestling. There's storyline elements, there's psychology to it, that the way it's built throughout the chapter, beautiful. It's all beautiful. But uh, outside of that, I mean, as always, the show is just loaded with guys that we see in NXT and in NXT UK nowadays, which is always fun, uh, including the finals of the Natural Progression series, where we got Zach Gibson versus Flash Morgan Webster in the, uh, the co-main event, which is a belter of a match as well. The rest of the show is, again, progress is always a fun watch, always an easy watch, always a fun time to talk about. We got uh, a tag team title match, which has a lot of effects going forward. I'll just put it that way. Uh, Somebody's nose explodes, which RJ Singh uh, warned me about in the last progress chapter that I covered, chapter 16. Uh, Somebody gets murdered on this show, uh, literally. Oh, Oh, yes, and this is also... The last progress show for Mark Andrews, who uh, has just landed a TNA contract. Mandrews. <laughs> yeah, this, this is not when I was watching TNA, but uh, but good for Mark Andrews here. He's, he's on his way to TNA and he's having a uh, well, they have quite the send off for him. Man, this this intro is just full of teasers, huh? Just 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 taking you to the edge and then I just stop jerking you off. That's, that's what this is filled with. Um, <laughs> but uh, great chapter and had a great time talking about it with my guests, the host of the T and tights podcast, Dan and Andy uh, or D- Dandy, as I like to call them, huh? But yes, the uh, the TN Tights podcast, uh, catch it wherever you listen to podcasts. They cover a good amount of what they cover is UK independent wrestling. Uh, so current day progress, uh, WXW, Rev Pro, all that stuff. And there's a lot of moving parts nowadays because, you know, as if, you know, if you're, if you're listening in the future or whatever. Right now, we're still in the pandemic the of, of the COVID-19 and uh it, that the UK took a hit. I mean, as did everybody, but I actually talked a good amount about this, uh, which was fun because I don't get to talk a lot about current day progress, but progress is making moves nowadays. And that's the kind of stuff that Dan and Andy talk about in their podcast. So uh, if, you, if you're looking to kind of expand your horizons into the UK realm, or if you're a fan of NXT UK, they talk a lot about that as well, or just UK related stuff with WWE and AEW. 
Like they talked about Tony Storm getting released, no, like that kind of stuff. So really fun group of guys, really enjoyable podcast they do over there. Um, that is the T and Tights podcast. So with that, let's progress into the episode. Huh? <laughs> Never gets old. Progress wrestling. God, I'm a I'm a nasally asshole today. <laughs> Got the. I have, you know, AIDS. Progress Wrestling, Chapter 17, with myself and Big Daddy Dan and Little Daddy and okay, with Dan and Andy from the T and Tights podcast. They go harder, faster. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, so I, I, I checked it out last night as well. Uh, I guess overall thoughts on uh, on the chapter before we kind of get into other subjects. Uh, I mean, it was a good chapter. It is kind of what emulated why pro- how progress became what it is, and it was through great matches. Uh, and mm-hmm. there were certainly a few of those on to, yeah this last on this chapter seventeen. It was really interesting um, for me watching back, because I haven't watched many of the early chapters, um, seeing a lot of the guys that I know now when they were young and not quite having the bodies that they do now. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Noam Dar, for example, is a little bit more, uh, a little softer, I would say. Puppy fat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Baby fat. Hey, he's in better shape than I am. Well, unless I'm not I'm not casting stones, but I mean, that dude's, uh, he's all dice nowadays, so it was, it was bizarre to see. Big time. Um, but Mastiff was bigger as well, but at that point, he was much more girthier at that. Hmm. Yeah. But this is six, seven years ago now, isn't it? Seven years. January of 15, I believe, right? Yeah, so yeah seven years. Seven, it's, it's crazy, because chapter 17, it feels so early in the grand scheme of things, but from the beginning to now, it's been three years for the company, yeah. which I guess, I guess they, they would eventually move on to like a show per month, right? Yeah, eventually, yeah, they do start to move towards, uh, yeah, almost around every three weeks. Uh, and then they were the, the international yeah. tours as well, Germany, the States. I think they did a WrestleMania yeah. weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so just for context, so I've, I, I kind of started from the beginning and we're here at chapter 17. I haven't really seen anything beyond that. I know a few things that happen, a few people that come in and out. Um, and some of the current faces that we see nowadays. But I guess uh, for you guys, were you guys watching from the first chapter and on, or did you kind of catch on it at a later time? No, for me, uh, I was... Considering I do the show now about UK wrestling, I was quite ignorant to UK wrestling for a long time. And really, if it wasn't WWE, DNA, or ROH, New Japan, I just wasn't interested uh, but then I decided to start like, where are all these great British wrestlers suddenly coming from Will Ospreay? Yeah. So, and uh, I just started to dive into it. Uh, as lockdown hit originally, I started writing a history of progress uh, up until about the speaking out movement at that point, which is when I stopped writing that. Uh, but right. uh, I did start with, I think I got up to about, about chapter 50, sort of like going from, yeah, 1 to 50. Right. I'm still ignorant. Um, <laughs> but no, really? I was I was always a Ref Pro fan. 
Um, so okay. I watched a lot of Rev Pro, not as much progress. I'd drop in and out every now and again if there was a specific match I wanted to see. Um, and mm. I was a big fan of a few of the guys on there, so it was always good to sort of catch up with specific wrestlers. Right. Yeah, I haven't really checked out a lot of Rev Pro, other than a few matches kind of out of context here and there. Uh, I have recently gotten into uh, WXW mm-hmm. a little bit, and I kind of watch it along the same timeline as I'm watching these progress shows. So I'm, st- I'm watching, you know, 2014, you know, when, when Tommy N was the champion and Big Daddy Walter and all those guys. Um, as far as like, because I'll, I'll ask you guys, because you guys have a, obviously a podcast dedicated to indie wrestling in the UK, which I think is really cool. So you guys are clearly very knowledgeable. Where do you think progress ranks among the independents in the UK? It was, you know, you could argue it out with them and Rev Pro UK as who have been the number one. Who have, uh, I would have said, Progress at one point did take it over mm-hmm. uh, and really became the be all and end all of wrestling. That was when you started having all the international talents and uh, the NXT UK and NXT talents. Mm-hmm. I think the big difference is Rev Pro is a family friendly show. Progress mm. is an over 18s show. Um, so I think there's a, a, a big difference there, but they're definitely either number one or number two. Okay. So you're saying Rev Pro doesn't have anybody getting murdered uh, by a, getting stabbed in the chest? No. It, it's one of those things that you don't see that often in Rev Pro. <laughs> it is fairly rare, I would say. Uh. <laughs> it's a hell of an intro, though, isn't it, to a show? I yeah. remember watching that. Oh, God. It was intense. Yeah. It was intense. They watched too much Dexter. <laughs> yeah, I made the same note as well. Um, but actually, before we get into that, um, just because there's so much going on with progress nowadays, just wanted to touch on like current day progress a little bit because I don't really get a chance to talk a lot about it, um, mainly because I don't really watch it yet, at least. Um, but progress, live crowds returning here uh, later this month, right? Is mm-hmm. that correct? Back in the in the ballroom. Where we're, I guess that's kind of their home base, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and, they uh, are coming back to the electric ballroom. Um, it is very, very exciting. And of course, they have new owners. Yes. Uh, in my notes somewhere, Lee Mc, McAteer and Martin Best. Yeah. Um, any content? I've never heard these names before. Are they uh, have any prominence at all? Uh, they did have a wrestling travel company, I believe, uh, prior, uh, okay. long before this. And they also are, a, they own League Two Football Club, Tramere Rovers. Mm. Uh, who I guess if we're talking like American, it would be third league football. Okay, so like uh, minor leagues. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. Canadian football. They still would get sort of um, audiences of thousands. Um, oh, yeah, that's, so, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And what's amazing is these guys have taken over Progress. One of the first things they've done is Progress has Club Progress, which is a membership package where you get discounted tickets, right. etc. Um, and the first thing they've done is phone up all the members of Club Progress to chat to them and find out what they want from Progress, how they think it can go, and... I just think that is an amazing way of showing your commitment to a company that you've just um, got involved with. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what made progress a part of it is what made it so popular is that fan interaction. It felt like you were a part of something special and um, I'm hoping they get back to what they once were because um, I mean, you brought up earlier the speaking out stuff is tough. Uh, NXT UK 
grabbing all of their main stars is tough. There's a variety of things that they have to recover from. Um, but I saw that they're going to be implementing a, a DBS check, which I guess um, is a check of uh, each person's personal record, um, their previous convictions and other cautions. I'm not too familiar of the specifics of that, but it sounds like a good thing. Like they're making strides to kind of remedy the issues that they had in the past. It's it's a background check, but the problem with any background check is if it hasn't been reported to any authority, it's not on your check. So if somebody doesn't report yeah. something that's happened, doesn't mean that something unfortunately hasn't happened. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, they also work with Equity UK, who are actually more of a... Uh, they work for theatrical companies, and this is to try and offer guys more protection... Uh, it's basically like a union um, yeah. equity. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will give um, full safeguarding guidelines, um, specific things, just very basic things like women having their own locker room. That's something that wasn't in place necessarily before. Um, so oh, things are definitely improving, and I am 100% sure that the new owners of Progress are going to make sure that they are going in the right direction. It had to right. change hands, though. Yeah, it really did. It did, did because unfortunately, mm-hmm. progress did get a little bit mud in that mud. But uh, when you think of a lot of its top performers, some of the management team, even the referees, <laughs> man. So, uh, but uh, under this new management, you, you've already seen it. Uh, the guys, he took a step back. He kind of let the talent. It was almost like yeah, the, it's like running a madhouse, and that's what the WWE Network era sort of like became it. Uh, it was very much the talent were running the show, and it was mm. very evident at times. Just some really great work. Yeah, well, that's good though. Any anything to improve? Any that's a step in the right direction, yeah. if nothing else. And uh, a clean slate, I think, is the uh, the best way to go. You can't really some things you just can't fix. So sometimes it's better to just reset, get the ball going again. They're bringing back the uh, Super Strong Style 16, which is you're, you're about to come on to that in a couple more shows. Right. You're about to go to the first ever Super Strong Style 16. Uh, so mm-hmm. they're bringing back that huge weekend tournament. There's going to be a new natural progression series. Uh, they're reinstating the Atlas title by the looks of it, which, again, you'll eventually come to that uh, within a few shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another Revelations of Divine Love, and another Natural Progression series. So still working with the young talent. And that's always something right. something Progress has done well. Yeah. Um, another thing that could be very interesting is NXT UK wrestlers have suddenly started appearing for some of the independent promotions again. Um, so Wolfgang, who wrestles for NXT UK, has been wrestling, mm-hmm. and so is Charles Samuels for ICW. And then a okay. couple of other wrestlers have recently been going to other independent promotions. So it's going to be interesting to see if some of the sort of the more well-known um, progress wrestlers like Mark Andrews, Eddie Dennis, um, Dave Mastiff might be released to go and do a show or two. Right. Yeah. I, and I saw Joseph Connors is doing a similar thing. I wasn't sure if he was fired or if he, was he Okay. He is a he free agent. We left. do not. Well, I'm not sure if we, there's still been no word on whether he was his contract is fired, whether he asked to leave or whether, yeah, it's, it just, uh, we just know he is a free agent right now. He's the only one that we know is definitely a free agent. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if that was like, uh, it just added flexibility, allowed him to do that or whatever the story was, but, um, 
But otherwise, I mean, it's good to uh, obviously to uh, let people work wherever they want, especially in NXT UK, where it's not as uh, arduous of a schedule, I guess, at least now because they're not traveling. Um, I'm just waiting for the day where Vince McMahon remembers that it, NXT UK <laughs> exists and he just guts it all. Please but <laughs> nobody say anything. Keep it hush hush. Let us <laughs> watch the probably the best brand in WWE in peace and quiet. But uh, yeah, so back in time, chapter 17, uh, like we said, cha- like January of 2015, lots of uh, stars that you see on NXT UK on this show. I mean, this show's damn near almost 100% <laughs> of those guys. I was watching, it's like, man, there's every match um, with, with a few exceptions. But um, the product, we, we touched on it before, the, uh, the vignette to open the show with Jimmy Havoc. Which uh, right away, it is just striking to me how quickly their like video quality has improved from the earlier chapters, because some of the earlier chapters, first of all, didn't have intros. But then once they started having intros, it'd be literally guys like on their phone. Like it's, it's clearly it's, yeah, like sticks on his flip phone. It has like grainy video quality and they're like back and forth promos between two people. But this is like this is WWE quality, like easily. And um like you mentioned, it's very Dexter-esque. You have Havocs and like a, uh, I don't know, it, it felt like a morgue something, some sterile environment. Um, Havoc has like a knife in his hand and he's, you know, licking it and rubbing it on his chest and his nipples and all that stuff. Um, and there's a man who is saran wrap, duct taped, whatever, to a, uh, a bed of some sort, like a cot that you would see like in a hospital or something. Uh, but you can't see the man's face because it's covered by the progress championship. Um, and Havoc's talking. He's basically building up to his match with Will Ospreay later tonight. Um, says that Will can only win with a 630 and he's not going to let that happen, which we'll get to in the main event. Very clever boy. Um, and he says, if you think I'm just doing this for fun, what do you think I'll do to some little prick that I hate? And then Jimmy Havoc proceeds to uh, stab the man that is taped to this bed uh, multiple times. There's blood flying everywhere. It's getting all over Havoc's uh, you know, clothes and all over the room. Um, yeah, so a little murder to kick off the show. Thoughts? Well, that's escalated quickly. <laughs> it did. Uh, I like the horror-esque vignette, but as Dan will tell you, I'm kind of squeamish about we and... And um, yeah, it was good up until that point. I think you could have uh, sometimes psychological fear can be worse than actual. It could have been implied, yeah, I think. The video yeah, nasty, but <laughs> Havoc loves that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's consistent with some of the stuff he does in his match later. So they're going all in on uh, making him stand out from the rest. Which I mean, he's red hot at this point, so I can't necessarily blame them. Um, but after that. We have our uh, opening match, uh, which was scheduled to be Eddie Dennis versus Mark Andrews. And uh, the scheduled match <laughs> it was for the sole ownership of the tag team titles, which I heard that. I was like, what the fuck? What are, they, what are we doing here? <laughs> we're going to put the shield parts together because remember, I don't know. Eventually, they would have belts, right? Yeah. But we're still at the point where it's two halves of a shield. It's like, OK, I guess the winner walks out with the whole shield. Cool. Um I could go flapping out, one on each arm. (laughs) Uh, But uh, before this match can uh, start, the faceless come out, uh, which, of course, is comprised of faceless number one, faceless number two, and they're accompanied by faceless number three. So 
Um, this is all from Cage Match, by the way. So, <laughs> and, uh, uh, so the Faceless come out and they debuted the last chapter by attacking FSU uh, during a during a raffle of all things. Like, I, I thought raffles were safe were a safe space, but apparently they aren't. Um, so now they're out here not to just beat them down, but to take their tag team titles. So the Faceless come out, they beat up on FSU. Uh, they basically just they, they take the titles without having a match. They're like, yeah, these are ours now. Uh, they walk out or they start to walk out. But then Mark Andrews is back up. He gets back to his knees. He grabs a mic. He says he basically challenges them to a match right now, which is probably a poor choice uh, in hindsight on the, on the part of Mark Andrews. Uh, the faceless accept. And uh, the match is very quick because the previous beatdown uh, faceless they were able to capitalize on that and uh, a backpack stunner with a stomp combo by the faceless gets them the win. And we have new tag team champions in progress. The faceless. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think of this whole deal? And what would you think of faceless? I guess as a faction, they finally unmask on the next one, I think. Uh, good. Good to hear. They don't drag it out. Yeah. It's, when you see who it is they i felt like they needed so, to do something I actually i actually spoke to rj singh in my last progress episode and he he told me it was uh nathan cruz uh danny garnell and uh i forget the third one simon musk okay <laughs> so nathan cruz i'm pretty pumped for um because i thought it when i was watching i watched like i said from the beginning i'm like oh this nathan cruz he's gonna be a, the big deal in progress and then haven't really seen them in like 15 chapters. So um, that's interesting for sure. Yeah. I quite like the whole faceless thing. It's, it's very British having the V for Vendetta masks. Um, mm. So I liked that aspect of it. Um, I also liked the beginning, the um, when they attacked and did that DDT into the release German suplex. That was really smooth. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. Do you, do you think that, uh, cause this is kind of the era where the uh, I guess we're a little bit maybe a year past it, where the Shield and the Wyatt family were really popular in WWE. Do you, do you think they were capitalizing? Maybe I'm looking too much into it, but do you think they're capitalizing on that three man dynamic? Because I think at this point in wrestling, it was pretty hot. I'm trying to relate about it. That's a good question because at the same time, Havoc had three guys, didn't he? Uh, it's kind of kind of comes and goes with his faction because like at the London riots and then they left and it's kind of like Havoc's turnaround. team in total was five: the big guy riots and uh, Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. Uh, mm-hmm. There were four in total of the faceless. Eventually, okay. but then they eliminate two straight away. It 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 was. I think it uh, wasn't Dave Mastiff a part of it as well. Or, or no? No, no. I think he was. I guess that's kind of a hard person to hide under a, a mask. <laughs> yeah. and a, and a hoodie. <laughs> no, but it's definitely someone you've seen on all the shows. Uh, Danny, okay. I think uh, Danny Garnell. He was in uh, the first two progresses. Hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. I guess there's not really a lot to this match. Uh, it's more just getting the titles off of uh, FSU, uh, which we would come to find out is because Mark Andrews just landed a TNA contract. Mandrews is, is upon us, ladies and gentlemen. So I guess this is uh, Mark Andrews last night, unless he comes back maybe in the future. Um, 
he just won British Boot Camp too. Oh, okay. He literally, okay. Uh, the night before, uh, I think in the last chapter, you had the Rampage and Samoa Joe match. That was chapter 14. I oh, that was chapter 14, yeah. So it was so, around that. But fairly recently. That's when they were going to have the finals for British Boot Camp 2. And that's when, yeah, Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. And that's why they Yeah, because Samoa Joe was basically there to, uh, to advertise for it, I guess, ahead of time. I mean, I guess in the months. And Eddie Dennis also got his job as a head teacher, which meant he had to step back from the amount of um, wrestling that he was doing. Right. Yeah, for sure. But this, um, so the match happens. Uh, FSU, Eddie Dennis, Mark Andrews, they're laid out. They're obviously distraught over losing the titles. Uh, But Mark Andrews grabs a mic and he's basically, he's talking to Eddie and he's like, hey man, I didn't want this to be how my last night went. Uh, So he basically challenges Eddie to a, a proper match which uh, Jim Smallman then makes official. So in the second half of the show, we'll have Mark Andrews versus Eddie Dennis, which was a uh, definitely a proper match <laughs> compared to this one. Um, but uh, before that, this next match, Mark Haskins versus Rampage Brown. This was so good. <laughs> yeah, Dude, I, I was really impressed by Mark H- Haskins. Um, in this match particularly, because in the previous chapters, I mean, he's had some okay matches, but nothing like what we saw here. I thought he was definitely out there to uh, make a statement out. Maybe I'm again, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I noticed he just had black tights, black boots like he was very and occasionally he'd have like his own ring announcer. So he like eliminated all the pumping circumstance from his like appearance from his presentation. It was just pretty much pure wrestling. And I think that translated well because him and Rampage tore it down. Um, anything in particular stick out to you guys in this match? Yeah, as you say, this is where he starts to take on that MMA-influenced uh, style rather than uh, okay. the wrestler-based. He, he used to be quite a high-flying wrestler. Uh, and then he picked up the injury, and that's when he went into MMA and started to learn jiu-jitsu, and that's when he transitioned his uh, hmm, uh, right. style to what we see now on R- well, formerly with ROH. Uh, but... Yeah, this is here. He starts to get a real crowd swelling of support over the next few chapters, which eventually leads him to have a really big uh, pe- uh, period in progress for uh, a long time. I've really enjoyed this match. I'm a big Rampage Brown fan, and I love Haskins. I'm going to see him next week or the week after. Um, yeah, next week. Just the following week, yeah. I'll kind of see him soon for Wrestle Carnival. It's going to be amazing. And for FNW. Um, but yeah, Rampage, when you see him, he hits so hard. And that flying shoulder block he does is just a thing of yeah. beauty. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard so many people like within the business say that Rampage is one of the best heavyweights that there are. And it's it's evident when you watch him because he's like no bullshit. Like he just does the simple things, but very well, which I... Uh, I like and Mark Haskins is another guy. It's like I'm surprised he hasn't seen a bigger spotlight personally. I don't know maybe if is that his choice. I don't know what his deal is, but Mark Haskins is a guy that I think belongs at the very top of the industry, in my opinion. He had an injury, uh, probably around progress thirty-ish, fifty-ish, maybe, and he actually spent a lot of time out of the business for a time period. Oh, really? Uh, at one point, almost having to walk away before being able to come back. Uh, and yeah, he was finally getting his spotlight with ROH, and then I'm um, just such a shame that lockdown happened, and now ROH mm. is no longer there. But it's it's a plus well, for the uh, us; we get to see him more often. 
Except yeah. ROH have just announced their next pay-per-view. Right. Well, they're in, not in coming April, back right? as they were. They're not well, maybe signed. that's for the best. Yeah. yeah. So, again, sure. like progress, maybe they're, they're new, uh, new slate. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely a big fan of this match. A, a hot start by Haskins, which is like, it was very jarring. Because like I said, he was very much the charismatic guy. But now he's like, like you said, like MMA influence, more strikes. Stump starts off with a pump knee strike. Uh, which knocks Rampage out of the ring because it's like either before the bell or right after the bell. So he caught him off guard. So and then Haskins like goes for a suicide dive, but then does that like Phoenix, like that Ray Phoenix does where it's like a 619 kind of to the outside. But then he slingshots back in, which is like, the hell did this come from? Um, like this guy's just coming off a leg injury. Now he's doing this shit. But um, yeah, like a rolling. He like Haskins rolls into a Death Valley driver. Um, it's really impressive stuff by Haskins throughout this match. And he's pretty much taken advantage of the, uh, the jump start, I guess in the beginning, catching rampage off guard, but, uh, rampage eventually fights back, hits a big Samoan drop. Uh, and this causes Haskins to like, kind of roll out of the ring. Uh, rampage goes out to grab him, but gets hit in the face with a steel chair and disqualification. Um, Haskins gets back in the ring. And hits Rampage with another chair shot to the head. Uh, sets up a chair. Sits on the chair. And then flips off Rampage. And this uh, pretty much sets up a no DQ match at the next chapter between these guys. It, it was a good match. you got to see the speed of Haskins as well as his strength. And it, it, was, it was quite a traditional heavyweight match in points. And... As Andy will be very pleased, the referee did throw the match out because Andy does enjoy the rules. Yeah, of course. They have rules in wrestling. But yeah, that the tag ru- rope. Yeah, tag ropes, that, that's a must. That's, that has to be. I agree. But the, uh, the running uh, Samoan drop that he did was really, really... Because he kind of came out of nowhere. You think he's just going to go for number and he just kind of goes into the centre of the ring and really delivers him down hard to the mat. Yeah. Like I said, just does all the little things, but with a little extra oomph to it. Mm. Um, but after that, we got El Ligero versus Marty Skrull. A couple of problematic blokes here, but hey, we're in 2015. Everything's fine. Um, no more Party Marty Skrull. Guys, were you, uh, were you sad to see Party Marty no longer be a thing? Or are you even aware of Party Marty? Yeah, I, guess? I remember Party Marty, but uh, <laughs> I think this was... You know, it, it was needed. Uh, I think this even came from the original British boot camp where he was literally told, you need to go away, you need to find a new gimmick, you need to become... And uh, mm-hmm. this is where we start to see the emergence of the villain persona, even coming down mm-hmm. to the uh, ring with his signature umbrella. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean... I remember Party Marty because um, he did a lot of um, indie shows close to where I live because he's based in Cambridge. Um, so he did okay. quite a few shows in the sort of Cambridgeshire, Hertfordshire area. Um, and yeah, he did need to up his game, which at this point he did. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely where he uh, found his stride, in my opinion. Uh, and this is the first because it's kind of been a transition period because there was a period where he was still going by Party Marty. But he happened to just be holding an umbrella. It's like, why does this guy have an umbrella? Um, but now he's officially being announced as the villain and no longer Party Marty. 
And uh, it's not just his name that's changed, but it's his whole demeanor. Kind of similar to Haskins. He, he, in the past, he was very comedic. He was very lighthearted. Now he's very like he's still kind of silly at some points, like yelling chicken wing when he's about to do the chicken wing. And all, all like the classic part or uh, <laughs> part of all the classic villain stuff. Um, but he's definitely more aggression and more, uh, you know, not a lot of wasted movement on his part. Uh, again, this match starts with a jump start, which is like, a running theme on this show. I feel like every match is like ding, 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 push. Like it's right away. Um, umbrella shots. But before, yeah, before the bell, there is, of course he had to hit him. Uh, he had to hit Legero with the umbrella a few times. Uh, suicide dive to the outside, brings him back in the ring with an arm breaker. Uh, they brawl a little bit more on the outside. Legero gets on this like ledge that's on the outside of the ring is like, I don't know, f- four feet up and he does a cross body. It's be 20, it. 30 feet up in the air. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the progress is a WWE affiliated company now. So <laughs> you got to amplify that. Um, it just made me laugh how Laguero was like, again, like five feet in the air, but he like so timidly <laughs> like goes for the cross body. Um, but they fight back into the ring pretty back and forth. <laughs> you get uh, a rolling surfboard stretch by Marty Skrull. Uh, but ultimately, Marty wins uh, after several attempts to get that chicken wing in. He finally lands it, uh, locks Legero into the chicken wing, and Legero uh, taps out. And uh, yeah, a little win for the villain here. What do you guys think? Yeah, you'll see uh, what happens with El Legero in the next few chapters. But you can see at this point, he's gotten, he's almost rudderless. Uh, since he was the second uh, champion, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after he lost that, and he just dropped out of the main event picture so quickly that, uh, yeah, you'll see why they decided to change things up on the next few shows. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was technically a very good match. Um, there was a lot of technical wrestling in it. Um just a shame the guys turned out to be a bit of a wanker. Yeah. That's, yeah. A bit of a wanker, indeed. Um, <laughs> but, you know, also, one thing about this show that I noticed, it just seems like a lot of singles matches. Like, I feel like when Progress was really good, they were able to kind of diversify their cards. So you'd have, like, a singles match, and then a tag team match, and then a hardcore match, and then, a, like, a comedy match, and then you have your title matches. This This match seemed very, like, Almost like a lot of it blurred together because, I mean, we had Haskins and Rampage and now you have Laguerre and Skrull and then you have a few more singles matches after this. Uh, th- did you guys get that impression while watching the show? Yeah, especially when I guess if you look at the Haskins and Rampage match, it's been very similar to that of uh, Tommy and a Mastiff match later in the show where you've got technical wrestling versus the big strong powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. Uh, very early ROH era. Yeah. Uh, there yes. was a lack of comedy in this one. Um, and British wrestling traditionally always has comedy attached to it, and it was missing in the show. Yeah, it's always a good way to just break things up, um, not to go too overboard with it, but just include it, you know, just to make, you know, again, make it not just like a streamlined thing where it just feels like match, 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 match. Um, needed some project ego yes <laughs> <laughs> or uh oh, what's the guy without the shoes um not grado the bald guy 
Matt Matt Manson. Oh, Manson, yes. Uh, yeah. Ma- yeah, Mad Dog Manson. Mad. Mad Dog Manson, or was it? He had, but he, he, he was a dog, though, wasn't he? And he Colt Cabana threw the tennis ball for oh, him. Oh, you know what? No, I'm thinking of that, that's that's someone else. There is a Manson. There's a lot. They had a lot of comedy guys, yeah. I guess, but, <laughs> but not on this show. No. But uh, yeah. So the, the, every match, like I said, kind of seems to start off with like a bell rings, immediate offense, and that's again in this next match, Tommy End versus Dave Mastiff. Uh, Tom, the bell rings. Tommy sprints at Dave with a pump knee, uh, knocks Dave down. Gets the uh, Tommy goes for the stomp off the top. Hits it, but only gets a two count. Um, but this match is only like four minutes at the most. Um, it's a sprint of a match. You have this crazy exchange between the two where uh, Tommy N goes for another stomp but misses. And then Dave gets back up and Tommy N like fakes a black mass, but then he ends up hitting it after Dave Mastiff like coils and then comes back up, which is a cool spot. But then... Uh, Tommy Yen runs towards Dave Mastiff and Mastiff uh, belly to bellies him into the corner, then hits a crazy deadlift German suplex and then a clothesline uh, for a one count. So Tommy Yen just he's like, fuck this. Uh, but then he gets Saito suplexed for a two count. And then Dave Mastiff then hits a huge power, like a, a, a sick looking power bomb. Uh, and that gives him the win. So Dave Mastiff borderline squashes Tommy N, which is crazy to me because I don't know how like much you guys watch WXW or if you, you were in tune with it at this point. But I've I've watched a bit of it and I Tommy N had a year and a half reign as their world champion. He was like unbeatable. And now I switch over here and he's just getting beat by Dave Mastiff in four minutes. So it is kind of weird how different they're almost like different universes sometimes. But well, what do you guys think about this? It is exactly that. He is the brought-in uh, guy to make, you know, everyone knows his background by that. You know, the, the smart fans of Progress knew who he was and they knew how good mm-hmm. he was. So him coming over and then getting beat by the top guys of Progress, of course, gave the Progress guys the rubs. It's, right. it's just a done-to thing. Even when, even in the UK, if you got guys who are really good in the South, they'll get brought up north, north and be jobbed out, and then you'll be the same. You'll have the North guys yeah. that'll be brought down South and jobbed out. Uh, just kind of the way it uh, goes. It was, however, believable with Mastiff because of his size, his mm, technique. Yeah. It, it wasn't one of those ones where I look at it and think, nah, that was the wrong decision. No, that was an alright decision. And yeah. The release German, um, sorry, the deadlift German, um, he's got to start doing that more. I know he still does it in NXT UK, but he needs to do it more. It's just such a great move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like like you said, Dave Mastiff, he's, he's firmly in the world title picture in progress. He's, he was in the main event of the last chapter. So it's not mm. like he's just some jamoke that <laughs> came in and beat Tommy in. But um, but I guess that kind of plays into what they're building towards when you think about it. Because after the match, Tommy grabs the mic and he's like, well, that didn't go as planned. Um, he says next time he's in progress, he's not going to come alone. And there's a big SDS chant, which is the uh, Sumerian death squad. His, uh, his tag team with Michael Dante, um, who I'm vaguely familiar with again from WXW from what I've seen. Um, but very timely given because at the time of recording, this, this is the day after Brody King uh, debuted in AEW to form his tag team. And now we got him, him pretty much teasing another tag team 
uh, here. So, uh, yeah, what'd you guys think about him announced basically announcing Michael Dante was coming to progress? Yeah, uh, it's good because he and he was obviously struggling in the singles division, so putting him into that tag team sort of picture uh, mm-hmm. gave him something to do. And the SDS, yeah, the SDS, the Sumerian Death Squad, they have some great matches to come, uh, especially against the Riots and a few other different teams. Right, but, uh, just. Uh, He's a big boy. He's a Brody King type guy. So uh, I guess used to just why Black t- teams like that's why Alistair is now teaming with him. Oh, sorry, Malachi is teaming right, with yeah. Brody King. I'm looking forward to seeing that tag team. Uh, I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, and yeah, I mean, anything that bulks out a tag division, I'm always happy about because I really enjoy watching tag team wrestling. Yes. Yes. And that's definitely, at least at this point, uh, there's not really a tag division in progress. I mean, because FSU is no longer a team. And then you got some guys in masks and black hoodies are now your champions. And there's really not really any other tag teams in progress or like consistent tag teams in progress. Uh, you had the Hunter Brothers for a brief period, but they literally just came in oh, for a couple man. of matches with the riots. I forgot about the Hunter Brothers, man. Project Ego. A week and a half ago, didn't we? Yeah, Hunter. Uh, yeah, because Lee Hunter's still uh, regularly competing over in uh, Repro UK at mm-hmm. the moment, uh, and part of yeah. uh, Modern Nomad. But uh, yeah, just uh, who else was there? The London Riots. Yeah, because I guess the London Riots come back. Um, is unfortunately after Chris Travis got sick, so Project Ego isn't a team anymore. Um, Huge shame because Travis yeah. has so much potential. I think. Anyone on the UK scene at that period who could have really become a world star, I think it would have been him. Yeah, 100%. But, um, but yeah, at least we got a regression still lingering around a little bit. And that's represented in this next match. Paul Robinson versus Noam Dar. Um, <laughs> again, this was really match- good. <laughs> yeah, it was this. What this match amounted to was uh, the crowd just chanting a lot of mean things towards Paul Robinson and <laughs> Noam Dar just holding them up. <laughs> Don't be here, throwing the socks at him. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's, it's quite a big thing in England to take off your shoes and socks at wrestling shows now. It's, it's become a thing. Do you, do you happen to know the origin of that? Uh, yeah, it was a football chant. How everything starts with wrestling, I'm sure. No, say no more. It started with football. That, that makes football. sense. Yeah. <laughs> What was your, your favorite chant from this match, if you have one? Ooh. Um, it's got to be the Dobby ones, really. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that you look like Dobby. Well, he didn't <laughs> the by only... the end of it. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. He's, well, maybe maybe more, more so. <laughs> um, yeah, Jimmy's little bitch. Uh, Jimmy's precious. Jimmy's precious. Uh, that was my favorite. That was a good one. <laughs> Of course, referencing that Paul Robinson is basically the uh, the second to Jimmy Havoc, the little uh, creepy little bastard that follows him around. Um, but the match as a whole was good. You know, you have, you have Paul Robinson. He, he, for some reason, brings silly string uh, to the ring with him. He uh, proceeds to Bukaki, Noam Dar, <laughs> and the entire first row for some reason. And there's a mental picture I'll be stuck with for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy that one. That, that'll be one to take to bed with you. But... Um, then uh, after the silly string, 
uh, Paul Robinson decides to uh, amp it up a little bit and grabs a chair. He he brings it into the ring, uh, but Noam right does the reverse card and uses the silly string to defend against this chair shot. I can't believe this is things that actually happened. Um, you wanted some comedy. <laughs> there's your comedy right there, I guess. Comedy is meant to be funny. <laughs> this was just a little bit sad. It was it was something. It was definitely something that happened. Uh, but uh, so this cut the silly string, of course, causes Paul Robinson to uh, drop the chair because the silly strings all in his eyes and his, his fingers are tangled and all that stuff. Uh, so Noam picks up the chair. He thinks about using it, but he's like, wait, I'm a baby face. I don't do that. Uh, so he drops the chair and uh, this allows Paul Robinson to kick him in the gut, uh, takes advantage for a little bit. Paul Robinson goes to the top rope flies at Noam Dar, but Noam slides under him to evade. And then the Darley chop, man, just, I've heard about this spot. I've never seen it. I've seen the aftermath, uh, but good God, did Noam just try to take his fucking head off with this chop? Yeah. Clearly broke his nose with that one. You could say that. <laughs> it was fucked. I mean, it, it, really was, was. <laughs> it was so much blood blood just gushing everywhere i mean paul robinson he, he like rolls to the outside you see all the puddles of blood following him wherever he's crawling it was just it wasn't like oh my hand slipped it was he reared back and it was great collie strength in that chop <laughs> that was obviously the extra weight he had behind it well, there you go. Look, we're making fun of him for being all doughy, but Noam Dar, he had a, it had, it had a purpose. So joke's on us. Um, but so Paul Robinson, he's like struggling to see because his fucking nose is shattered into a million pieces. Uh, this allows Noam Dar to kind of grab, I think it's someone's, I guess they sell like Jimmy Havoc masks with like the blood and all that stuff. He, he grabs one from the crowd. Noam Dar puts it on his face. He, uh, he rolls Paul Robinson into the ring and goes for the acid rainmaker, which is uh, Jimmy Havoc's finisher. So it's a little kind of uh, poking fun at Paul's boy. Um, but as he's about to go for the rainmaker, Jimmy Havoc's music plays and this distracts Noam Dar. We're getting very WWE here. Uh, this distracts Noam Dar and this allows Paul Robinson to kind of ro- to, well, to roll him up for a two count. Uh, then Paul hits a sliding DDT for a two count. And then Paul, Robbo, he then goes for an acid rainmaker. Uh, but Noam counters it smoothly, smooth as hell, into a knee bar for the tap out. So Noam Dar wins this one. And uh, yeah, Paul Robinson, really a shithead, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, he's so good at playing it, that guy as well. Yeah. And uh, we j- I just saw his return match in the UK recently. And. The way he plays with the crowd during the entire match is just like brilliant. Yeah, he has, he's easy to hate. Yeah, he loves to hate he is, though. Yeah, he, he he thrives off it. But yeah, the move from the acid rainmaker into the knee bar, as you're saying about how smooth it is, you, you can't over exaggerate how smooth it is. It is an absolutely wonderful move. Um, really mm-hmm. well done. Yeah. Yeah, no, Noam Dar is legitimately like one of my favorite wrestlers going today. I mean, NXT UK, it seems like every match he has is like you could put on a top 10 mm-hmm. list of matches, at least in, in WWE for sure. Um, definitely 
underutilized. Well, I guess he's he's found his place in NXT UK, but um, big fan of Noam Dar for sure. His better matches usually go longer. If he has a short match, you can it'll only be average. But if he actually has a quite a long match, then it'll be a good match. He just has that way about him for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good thing he has that Heritage Cup nowadays because those tend to be uh, pretty long. But uh, no hating over here. But, um, but yeah, after that, we have yet another singles match. Eddie Dennis versus Mark Andrews. So again, this was set up uh, in the opening, basically, when they lost their titles, FSU did. And they're like, we're not going to end this this way. We're going to have a proper match. And this is where it happens. Um, and again, it's it, Mark Andrews just landed that TNA contract. So this is basically his hurrah, uh, having a match with his buddy. And um, what I liked about this match is like you expect it to kind of be comedic. You expect it to be a lot of banter, a lot of jokes and playing with the crowd a lot. And they do that a little bit in the beginning. But the way that they init, like instantly flip that switch, I thought was really impressive. And that was with the uh, Eddie's on the outside. Mark Andrews goes for a plancha over the top rope. Eddie catches him and then does a brutal side spinning slam onto the apron on Mark Andrews. And I thought that did a good job at setting the tone for this match. Uh, what do you guys think? Anything in particular stick out to you? It's, that's how British friends are. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, <laughs> if, if you've seen them, there's a group called uh, Northwest Strong, Chris Ridgeway and the Young Guns. And mm-hmm. if they, they're literally... They train together, the best friends, but when they fight, they literally uh, water nearly a dragon off each other. And uh, yeah. I think that it's, it, if you're friends in the UK, you just tend to hit each other a little bit harder. But, but that's real life as well. Yeah. <laughs> so do you guys often like powerbomb each other just for jokes? Usually. Shits and giggles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a different culture over there. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this match, it's, it's a fun back and forth match. Um, some really fun spots in this like uh, Eddie. So Mark Andrews goes for a standing moonsault as Eddie is laying on the mat. Eddie catches him in like a cravat position, gets back up in one fluid motion. and does like a cravat suplex, which looked really impressive. Basically just grabs him by the neck and throws him across the ring. Um, you got a next stop, next stop driver for a two count. You got Mark Andrews hitting the shooting star press for a two count. A lot of good false finishes in this match as well. Lots of points where I thought it might be it. Um, there's a point where Eddie Dennis is going for a, uh, a razor's edge basically off the second rope. But uh, Mark Andrews counters and uh, Eddie goes in, into the crowd basically. And he just to scurry off to kind of catch his breath. And then Mark Andrews does a uh, stage dive basically from the top rope into the crowd. Just classic, like stuff you'd see in Ring of Honor or something. Um, so really cool spots. And the, there's TNA chance, by the way, after Mark Andrews does this, which is hilarious. Um, followed by booze, which, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, ultimately, Eddie Dennis is able to hit the next stop driver off the second rope for the win. Uh, just a, just a really fun match, and I think a good way, a good note for Mark Andrews to uh, to leave on. Hmm. Nice to see him put over his friend on the way out. Yeah, he's <laughs> hmm. another talent that's been criminally underutilized by WWE, in my opinion. Um, yeah, 
I think he had one of the best matches of the year um, in NXT UK last year, and that was just one of the standard matches with him and um, Nathan Fraser. Just mm, great match, just mm-hmm. an excellent match. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Eddie Dennis is such a good character, such a good promo as well. Um, but yeah, two guys that we see in NXT UK nowadays. So it's good to see that they uh, went on for more success. Um, oh, we got to mention that it's Mark Andrews birthday here. Uh, <laughs> the crowd unprompted to the crowd to start singing happy birthday to him. And I got to tell you this, because I, like I said, I'm pretty in the dark about what happens uh, in the future of progress. I was really expecting a Eddie Dennis heel turn here, which would have been so brutal because oh, Mark Andrews is leaving. It's his last match. It's his birthday. You're my best friend, buddy. This made everything worth it. Oh, man. I, all, all of me was expecting just a brutal heel turn from Eddie Dennis, but we didn't get it. But I guess wholesome content is good sometimes. Bloody red. <laughs> it, it does come eventually a long time down the wrong road though. right yeah I, I've, I've vaguely heard of it so i was like oh is this is where it happens but i guess not i guess that's that's maybe after mandrews but um but after that speaking of nxt uk we got some uh some of the originals here the natural progression series the second uh iteration of it it's the finals of the natural progression series zach gibson Versus Flash Morgan Webster. Uh, I, and I have a very important question for you guys just before we get into this. When does Zach Gibson shave his head? <laughs> Not soon enough. <laughs> uh, what are we doing? <laughs> Zachary. Uh, it, it, this good match just goes to show how good he was. Even back mm-hmm. then, he's such an accomplished uh, grappler, mat technician. He has the size. For me, it's it, it does my mind in that he hasn't been a WWE world champion already. You, you say about his size. Um, now, since he's gone to WWE, he wrestles more like Regal. He keeps himself sort of like more hunched over so he doesn't mm-hmm. look as big as he actually is. I've forgotten that he is. He's a fairly big boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he he's very Nigel McGuinness esque as well. Mm. Um, that's what I always think about when I watch Zach, Zach Gibson wrestle. Um, but yeah, and he's going against Flash Morgan Webster here, who is uh, he, he's debuting the pants, so he's kind of be- slowly becoming what we know him as now. Um, but yeah, just another really good match between two guys who are very early in their careers at this point. That's kind of what the NPS is designed for is these young up and comers or like lesser known people. Um, so it's funny to see these guys involved in it when they're pretty, very prominent uh, nowadays. I mean, Zach Gibson, he's on NXT US. So, um, but I agree. I think he could definitely, he has value as a singles for sure. And hopefully he does uh, amount to that at some point. I've been at a show where about a thousand people took their shoes off um, for Zach Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, early NXT UK, that's kind of what the case was. And then they threw him in this tag team. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, And I guess him and uh, James Drake were, I guess they they, were, were they a tag team before NXT UK? Yeah. uh, They become a tag team uh, for progress, uh, hold the tag team championships in progress for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they ever lose the progress tag team championships again in a one in, uh, or a two and two matchup. It was always like a fatal four way or a fatal three way. Whenever it was mm-hmm. a straightforward tag team, Grizzled Young Veterans always won. Now, 
there was something in this match that made me think back to Halloween Havoc, um, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. There were a few different sections in this match that really seemed to lift from that amazing match back then, in my opinion. Yeah? Yeah, what were they? Um, it was a couple of different bits where um, the headbutt 450 kickout that went through um, was amazing. Um, the arm drags into the arm bars um, and just a lot of the exchanges of holds. It just reminded me quite a bit of that match. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, this match did quite a bit to kind of separate itself separate itself from other matches, which I thought was good. It just felt different. Um, but you still have like the crazy, like very Paul London-esque dive to the outside from uh, Flash Morgan Webster, like into the aisleway off the top rope. Like he like runs up the uh, the ring post, which is crazy. Um, but again, a lot of good false finishes in this match as well. You got uh, Gibson hitting the Tiger Bomb for a two counts. Uh Gibson's able to lock in the Shankly gates, but uh, Morgan Webster, he does because we all we all see it all the time when somebody's in a submission and they crawl and then they do this and then they oh they get it. But Web- Webster added like another like layer to it where he did this and he was like, oh, I can't do it. They're like, oh, shit, is he going to tap out? Uh, so it's really great drama uh, at that aspect. But he does get to the ropes uh, eventually. Uh, Webster hits the stun dog millionaire to counter a suplex. Hits his 450 for a very close two count. Um, t- uh, Zach Gibson's able to fight back eventually. Goes for a Tiger Bomb again, but Webster counters into a Hurricane Rana with the pin, and that gives Flash the win. So the uh, the second ever NPS winner is Flash Morgan Webster, which is funny because the first one was uh, Mark Andrews. So subculture, ringing in the, the first two trophies for this, this series that Progress does, which is... Uh, Fun, which is more than subculture will ever do. In <laughs> hey, yeah. come on now, Danny Luna's great. Hey, look, bunch of subs. It's like, if that's what they want to be, that's uh, whatever, I guess. But we don't kick show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any, any other thoughts on this match? Again, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. For me, Gibson is at this point was such a had so much potential, and still does. I just. I love him as a tag team, as part of Grizzled Young Vets, but he... It's almost like he's going to miss that opportunity to be a world champion by himself if he carries on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Like, like you said, Grizzled Young Veterans, they're a great tag team, and I'm always a fan of legit tag teams, the guys that are designed to be a tag team together, but at the same time, it's like, man, yeah, he's such a... It's hard, because you, you don't see a lot of really good heels nowadays, and when it comes to that... Zach Gibson, he's just the, the tippity top, in my opinion. Uh, and this match really showed that. I don't know, maybe maybe one day we'll see that. But uh, but this match, Webster wins. And uh, of course, when you win the Natural Progression Series, not only do you get a title shot in the future, but you get to reinstate someone to be in the next Natural Progression Series, which prompts a We Want Jesus chant. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> luckily, Jesus is there. Pastor William Ever or Bill Lever uh, is in the ring. And uh, that's, that's who Webster reinstates. So uh, Bill Lever will be in the next NPS, which will be fun because he seems to be over for some reason. Um, I guess who doesn't love Jesus, right? Well, there's probably a few people, but um, but yeah, so that happens. Uh, and as so he reinstates Jesus, but then Jim Smallman's like, hey, Flash, 
when are you going to be challenging for that progress title? And before Flash can respond, Jimmy Havoc's music hits once again. Uh, and then you got Havoc coming out with uh, Isaac Zercher, who I'm not super familiar with. Oh, he just seems like a big dude. Uh, yeah, and anything on Isaac Zercher? Big fans? No, I can't really remember if he goes on to do anything of note at all. But I know he even uh, his tenure with Progress is short-lived. Thank God. He reminds me a lot of a shaved screw face armored. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay, I guess. I mean that's not what I would have thought, but that makes sense to me. Uh, but yeah, I don't remember him I don't remember him being in previous chapters. He maybe just got lost in the shuffle in my mind he among was... the other regression members, but he, I'm sure he's the one that helps Jimmy win the first championship by sliding into staff. He might, you know what? Yeah, I get yeah, that. There was so much happening at that point, I and mean, he probably just got lost. But um, see, so Havoc and Zercher come out, and uh, Jimmy Havoc kind of distracts Flash Morgan Webster, which allows Zercher to jump Webster from behind, beats him down. Uh, Jimmy Havoc grabs the mic and he's like, "What happened last year won't happen to me." Which last year, Flash Morgan we- or uh, Mark Andrews won. And he immediately challenged Rampage, who and Rampage had to come out. He wasn't prepared, uh, and Mark Andrews was able to kind of catch him off guard and win the title off of Rampage Brown. So Havoc's prepared for that, and he's not going to let that happen again. Um, and then we're, that pretty much kicks off the main event. So Jimmy Havoc versus Will Osprey, which <laughs> again, at the time we're recording this, this is only a uh, I guess a week and a half after Wrestle Kingdom. 16. Were you guys able to catch Wrestle Kingdom at all? Uh, yeah. Great show. And that main event, wow. <laughs> Oof. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's bizarre watching <laughs> 2022 Will Ospreay and then going back, well, I guess, what, seven so yeah, seven years earlier. Such a different presentation. Mm. Did you guys get that sense at all? Yeah. Or do you have a preference, I guess, to, to, like to a, a version? He looked like a kid. Uh, I mean... <laughs> The heavyweight Will Ospreay's really only emerged over the last couple of years, but uh, yeah, and when it's it's like there's no transformation for Will Ospreay for like seven years, and then suddenly it's just bang, he's this huge heavyweight guy. Hey, when you're in a pandemic, man, all you can do is eat and lift weights, so might as well just become a heavyweight on your spare time. Well, I did one of those two things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Man. You forgot to get uh, Yeston Reese to do your uh, nutrition plan and workout plans. Mm. Yes, I must do that. And they're only £120 um, for a long time. You get a, a good thing. But anyway, I digress. Um, I think Osprey, in his younger days, is still so obviously going to be a massive, massive star. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, he, obviously, Will Osprey, he's, he's filled out over the years. He's definitely, obviously, physically bigger. But I feel like it hasn't really slowed him down much if at all i mean he's still we like a wrestle kingdom he was doing moonsaults off of the off trusses he's springboarding everywhere i think he's even more clean and more smooth nowadays than he was here i would say i think he picks his spots better now right yeah that, yeah that's a good point he's uh yeah wiser all that stuff uh more of a dickhead but uh <laughs> i guess he's still kind of a dickhead here but um but yeah so to set the scene, so Havoc and Zercher, they're beating down on Flash, Morgan, Webster. Uh, Jim Smallman, he's like, hey, get your bitch off him to Jimmy Havoc. 
and uh, basically he threatens Havoc. Like, hey, if Searcher doesn't leave, then I'm stripping you of the title. So Searcher has to leave and we don't see that bald asshole anymore. So now we have a proper one on one match. Will Ospreay comes out. Um, the match starts out. It's a brawl on the outside. We see that that classic uh, Sami Zayn DDT through the uh, like the turnbuckle and through the ropes, which is fun. Um there's a, a you look like a tampon chance towards Jimmy Havoc, which is, like, which is a great one. Yeah. Yep. Wearing white, white shirt, white pants with blood on it. Like you're just asking for it at that point. Um, but they don't know he murdered somebody previous to this. So jokes on them. Yeah. Jokes on the crowd. Um, but the story here, as was kind of laid out in the uh, the opening vignette, is that the 630 is Will Ospreay's main move. And that's what's going to he's going to have to do to win the title. Um, so he, there's several points where Will Ospreay, he goes to the top rope. He's very hesitant. He doesn't want to do it. And I think, I don't know if I missed something or if this happened outside of progress. Do you guys understand why Will Ospreay is hesitant to do the 630? Uh, so now progress at this time will run in some sort of almost like a weekly, uh, like a B show, if you like. And it was, was it Endeavor? Endeavor, yes, that's the one. Okay, yeah. And uh, it was at an Endeavor show. He goes to hit his six thirty, and he lands hard. This is what the uh, documentary on Amazon was about. Uh, so right. this is the neck injury that bothers him for well, all of his career. Probably to this day, is you know the reason he took time off is because of uh, the the original neck hmm. injury he picks up. Uh, which would have been about a month before this show. Uh, so at this point, uh, as you can imagine, he's just almost crippled himself trying to do a 6.30 in real life. So then they just decided to mirror it into uh, the thing. Yeah. And as you see this, you see him experiment with the springboard cutter, which eventually becomes the Oz cutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... So I got to start watching Endeavor is what you're saying. I guess important stuff does happen on those shows. Watch the documentary. It's fantastic. What is it called? Osprey. Yeah, on Amazon Prime. (laughs) Okay. They're making it easy for me. I like it. And it's just after his Super Junior win. The first time he won the Super Junior. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. Um, But uh, broken necks aside, uh, as if that wasn't brutal enough, we got Jimmy Havoc channeling his inner Mike Tyson and biting the ear of Will Ospreay uh, to the point where it blood. Will Ospreay's ear is bleeding all over the place. He's screaming. It's, it's pretty violent. I thought like, we were debating this, actually, my missus, whether it was a blood pact or it, not. I'm sure I saw him bite. Um, yeah. Bite. Yeah. Guys. His ear got bitten. It, it was blood from Jimmy Havoc's teeth. You guys are really sounding silly right now. Do you know this? <laughs> it, it, it was still squeamish, to be honest. Uh, I, I didn't like watching it. <laughs> uh, the, the screams of Will Ospreay. Yes. Even, they're going to be in my nightmares for a long time. Uh, but then, yeah, it's as if this keeps on building on itself. Uh, later in the match, Havoc bites the throat of Will Ospreay, very uh, Shayna Baszler. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, I guess that's where she got it from. Uh, This is sick fuck this Jimmy Havoc is. (laughs) Yes, he is. God, in a lot of ways. But 
Uh, anyways, uh, later in the match, Jimmy Havoc, he goes for a Frankensteiner off the top rope. Will lands on his feet out of this, which is very impressive, very smooth looking uh, into like a rolling zigzag of some sorts uh, for a two count. Uh, lots of there's this one exchange in this match, which you guys probably know what I'm talking about, where it's just reversal after reversal. You have you know, Osprey going for handsprings. Then Jimmy Havoc catches him, goes for rainmakers. It's a lot going. I couldn't even take notes on it. It was so much going on, but really, really. Uh, smooth exchanges between these two. Definitely really good chemistry in the ring. It's probably one of the better Jimmy, like straight up Jimmy Havoc matches mm. that I've ever seen. Um, I believe I'm right in saying, and Andrew, I'm sure you'll be able to back me up. They both trained at the London School of Lucha Libre for a little while. Yes, at this time uh, under Greg uh, Burridge, I think. Okay, so that makes sense that they have that chemistry. Um, but uh, Will Ospreay at some point goes for the 630 again. But again, he hesitates, and this causes Jimmy Havoc to drop kick the ropes. And Will Ospreay fucking lands right on his head and neck as if he hadn't been through enough trauma with this neck injury. He just lands right. I don't know how he landed. The camera didn't really pick up on it, but it looks brutal. Um, just the angle that he fell. Uh, and this cause so Will Ospreay keeps going up to the top rope. He kind of progressively gets more uh, confidence in it because he was about to hit it just then, but Jimmy Havoc happened to uh, counter it. So what do you do when your opponent keeps going to the top rope? Well, you just take away the top rope. So <laughs> Havoc just takes Osprey, throws him into the crowd, ta- eliminates him for a little bit, and then unscrews the turnbuckle to take the top one of the corners off, which then takes all the ropes on each side off. So now Will has no access to the top rope. So uh, theoretically taking that out of his arsenal, the 630, you got and then they get back to the ring. You got Havoc choking Will with this rope that he's now undone. And Osprey, eventually he fights back, hits an Enziguri and hits the Essex Destroyer, which is a, it's, it's if anyone doesn't know, it's the Canadian Destroyer, but a DDT instead of a pile driver. Uh, brutal looking. But uh, Havoc is able to get his foot on the bottom rope. Which is just funny because you have Havoc. He's he's biting him. He's he's this brutal guy. He murdered a guy in the beginning of the show. He's biting this guy's ear off. He's taking off the top rope. Oh, nope. But you got to follow the rules. My foot's on the rope. So that level of dickheadery uh, I, I enjoyed. But um, ultimately, uh, Osprey goes for the shooting star press, like a spinning shooting star press, almost a black arrow of sorts off the second rope, which is really impressive. But he misses it. Uh, Jimmy Havoc hits the acid rainmaker only for a one count, though, which causes Jimmy Havoc to just go berserk, stomp on the head of Osprey really brutally, several stomps right to the head, uh, and then hits a second acid rainmaker. And that gives Jimmy Havoc the win. So lots of things that play here, uh, but I thought it was a great main event. It was uh, it was a very good main event. It was um, it was a progress main event. Yeah. This is the rivalry that put progress on the map. It was the Havoc and Osprey. And starting from around this point, I think it was chapter 13 where he attacks him during the. uh, after a tag team match. And he tries to Mm -hmm. cut his nuts off. 
with the uh, <laughs> axe. I'm sure it was chapter 13. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this the way it continues on for most of uh, the first half of progress is all about Osprey Havoc revisiting. Yeah. But uh, it's no wonder they... Well, no wonder Osprey became the guy he is today. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely... Even me, who's very ignorant to a lot of progress stuff... You can tell that this is like on a completely different level, and it's I'm sure is what made this stand out amongst other UK indie wrestling. The storyline, the stories involved, because you can get great wrestling anywhere. But the story, Jimmy Havoc as a character was such a great heel. Yeah, Will Ospreay who's really gaining momentum at this point. I think it was just a perfect storm. It, it's what took them both to the international stage. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, but yeah. So chapter 17, that brings chapter 17 to a close. Um, yeah, any other last thoughts, overall thoughts, or anything we missed? Well, for Tea and Tights, whenever we um, are watching something, we always um, give a, a sugar rating. How many sugars in your tea out of five? So um, what would your sugar rating be out of five for Progress Chapter 17? If I'm just going on a basis of the show itself and not, the people on the show, I just have to give yeah. it uh, four sugars. Yeah, I think four sugars is fair. I think, you know, it's not, it's like we said, it was kind of, it didn't have the diversity and like types of matches that you would typically see. Um, but the matches that occurred were all solid. And especially the main event, the main event alone was worth the price of admission, in my opinion. Um, you got Mark Andrews, his last show, that great match. So yeah, I think four, four sugars in my tea, lads, which, uh, Four for me as well. Um, the Morgan's at Gibson match was my standout. And mm. I really enjoyed that. Loved it. I always love seeing Tommy end just beat the shit out of people. Even though he lost, he got his opportunity to get his offense in. And yeah. But yeah. But once again, guys, thank you, guys. T and Tights. Thank you guys once again for uh, making the time to, to watch a show, come on, talk about it. Uh, where can everybody find T and Tights and follow you guys and listen to you guys? Uh, on the Twitter, on the Facebook, uh, we are literally at T and Tights Pod, uh, and uh, you can find us on YouTube uh, via the Bodyslam.net uh, YouTube channel, uh, and also on Spotify, just under T T and Tights. And also, if you want to see some more British wrestling, you can find us on Powered 4 TV, um, which is kind of like the Netflix of wrestling with loads of brilliant British um, independent um, shows. And you can also get it for free for a month using the code TPOD. Hell yeah. Yeah, you guys, I, I like you guys because you make it me an American trying to get into British wrestling. You make it easy for me. You dumb it down a little. You don't dumb it down, but you make it easy for somebody like me to understand. So always a good listen to your podcast. And uh, yeah. Thanks yeah, so once, much. A, once, once again, work. thanks for coming on. And no, thank you for having us. Pleasure to be on today. Once again, thank you to Dan and Andy from the Tea and Tights podcast for joining me on this rootin' tootin' good time talking about some progress wrestling. Like I said, go follow the Tea and Tights podcast. Listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Go listen to them wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow them at Tea and Tights Pod on Twitter for all of their happenings. And uh, if you like this type of episode, maybe, hey, maybe you jumped in, you're like, ah, let me check out some progress for the first time ever. If you enjoy these kind of reviews, and if you, maybe if you want to start from the beginning, from chapter one, go to apronbump.com, go to the episodes tab, and select Progress Wrestling. 
And that'll bring you to all of the progress reviews that I've done thus far from chapter one all the way to here, chapter 17. Um, always a good time. Always a fun time watching a, a promotion that I've never watched and uh, talking to people who are watching me react to it in real time. So it's, it's always fun. The last chapter as well, chapter 16, was a particularly fun one because I brought out RJ Singh, who was a, uh, a very prevalent uh, fixture in progress wrestling, especially during their early years. Um, it was cool to get his insight on the company as a whole, but also on uh, one of his major, one of his most important matches of his career that occurred at chapter 16, which we talked about. So go check that episode out, if nothing else. Um, but yeah, that's about all Daddy has for you today. Uh, apronbump.com for all my episodes. Apron Bump on Twitter. Apron Bump. Apron underscore Bump on Instagram. Uh, you know, Apron Bump on Pornhub. All the usuals. So I'm going to go fucking blow my nose because this shit, I don't know if it's coming off through <laughs> through your ears, but I feel like I'm like, like my nose is getting pulled up to the sky with this shit. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what if my podcast is just making like random sniffle noises? Isn't that, isn't that what Twitch is? Don't people just get on and just, that's ASMR, I guess, right? Just doing, just eating their watermelons. Oh, here, let me drink my coffee, gang. God, fuck, why'd I do that? That was, that went right up my nose, but the other way, so it didn't help. Um, are you still here? Why are you still listening to this shit? <laughs> no, I really do love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah. I'm hard. Yeah.